Seahawks fans to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sanders, joined, as always, by the Captain America, to my Iron Man. That's right. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? I feel like America's ass right now. Yeah? Yeah? You yeah, like it? because I feel like ass when I'm in America. <laughs> That's, uh, <laughs> all right. I can, I can dig it. And our, Sorry, earmuffs. Our very... <laughs> <laughs> right, we're, off, we're off the rails. Right. It only took, I mean, the podcast has been going 55 seconds, but like really only us for 30, 30 minutes of just a beat playing. We already suck. All right. Living <laughs> up to that four star review. Uh, our very, our, <laughs> hey, he said the podcast was good. Just that I bump into my mic too much. You want to say that? I don't know. That was me bumping into the mic. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, I, oh man, I'm, I'm just going to start over now. No, the music. Thinking about it, maybe the music. I did think about it. Maybe the <laughs> music. Do my intro quick, quick. Maybe the music in the in the background. Our very, our very own Wasp. That's right, Eric. Ooh, Ron Beck. Eric, how you doing? I'm fine. I thought you were gonna say like Blue Beetle, the child, the childhood home. It has to, to be my someone who's home. actually in the Avengers. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it should be. Okay. Well, I couldn't think of any Avenger that was worse than worse. At least worse presented. Than the Angry Hulk. <laughs> Do you want to go comic? And our very own Jack of Hearts, oh, no. Eric Ronneback. Oh, no. Google it. Too I, deep. I hate it. That reference is deeper than the, uh, than the river. Yeah. All right, Seahawks this week. They took on the Philadelphia Eagles. And we all, uh, we all predicted, I think, a, a pointsier matchup. But the wind had another, had another plan. Uh, it, was, it was crazy windy there. And I think it had a big impact on both sides of the ball. Uh, Kevin, what do you start? Do you want to start with the Seahawks offense or the Seahawks defense? Because I think the wind, uh, the wind is a factor for both of them. You know, I want to do our vegetables first. Oh, yeah. let's go with the offense. The offense. All right. So, let's talk about Russell Wilson and and in that wind. I think a lot of people might look at his line and they might say, you know, thirteen for twenty-five, two hundred yards, eight yards per attempt, not too bad. One touchdown, one interception, pretty ho hum day. But there was multiple drops and missed opportunities that probably would have led to more points. And I think we got to give Russell credit for that. He made some really good deep throws in really difficult weather that were mere inches away from falling into DK Metcalf's hands. And uh, if, if DK Metcalf catches even one of those balls, I think you're looking at a, a 24-9 victory. If he yeah. catches two of them, you're looking at a 31-9 victory. So, yeah, maybe it was, it was tough, but... That's that's kind of the way the cookie crumbled. They made it closer than it had to be, which is a classic this season Seahawks trait. I think that's that's kind of where we're at. Yes. And I, I I'm I'm a thought Russ. The cardiac kids. I thought Russ played a really good game. If I'm being honest, like the, he did make one really great deep throw that hit on the money to to Malik Turner. Yeah, the trick play deep throw. Uh, there was that little flip pass where he lofted it into the wind and it sailed over Hollister. There was the pass DK didn't make the adjustment to that was in the end zone. That, I agree. Those are like those are two what should have been guaranteed touchdowns. That Hollister pass that had to be the win. There's no way it couldn't have been the win because he he really lost it. Like it went yeah. way higher than I think anybody. If if Hollister was eight feet tall, that would have been an awesome pass. That's like yeah, a backup right? quarterback who has never played the position in years making that throw. I don't want your laugh. Did you? Uh, so do you guys agree? Look, this is a good. This is not uh, not a great Russell game. Not one that's gonna steal him the MVP back from Lamar Jackson, but but one that was solid and, and solid. deserved to win. It, it you know, you got to do, you got to win your clunkers. It put us in a situation the entire game to win. There was no point in this game that I was worried about anything. I really just wanted us to run the score up because I feel like we do that against the Eagles, and I, we should have here, but whatever. We won the game. Yeah, he was also he was under pressure 12 times. Um, he was five for ten against the blitz for 102 yards, but he had a lot of time when he was at, uh, when he was actually pressured. You know, he was one for five for seven yards. And if you want to pick on Russ for something, it, it is that 
these pressures, some of them were on, totally on him. Yeah, he was looking for the big play, you could tell. And there were times where he kind of fell into that old habit of holding the ball too long. Yeah. Which, you know, he's done in the past. And when he has room, when he has time, he will do that. It worked out for us in the Malik Turner pass, though, which uh, Malik Turner, I want to sing his praises. But on that flea flicker, I don't really know outside of, you know, keeping a stashing a safety deep and high back that uh, I think the Eagles played that that play perfectly and rushed us through a dime, a Dilfer dime. Yeah, that was a really good throw. I and, completely but, agree. And if you watch it, he waited for it to develop, and Malik took off, and the 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 coverage men were right on his heels. Yeah, great. Or play. Was it by completion probability? It was one of the five least likely catches that was made so far this season, according well, to one of those. Stat we, had guru the, we had the le- we had the least already with that oh, Tyler Lockett. Lockett catch. Yeah, yep. that has to be. Um, Oh man, the, I love th- our team. Another thing too of uh, just in general, Russ is passing, and um, it's good to see that the team didn't just abandon the pass because it was windy. Which is in the past, I think something that Pete might have done. Pete might have, instead of having 25 passes, we might have only had like 16, 16, yeah. 14, you know, some some stupid number like that. We had an equal number of passes to rushing attempts, which is about as far as I think you ever should go in that direction. I don't think that there should be a, a strong, ever be a strong imbalance in that. And if there is an imbalance, it should be towards passing, not towards running. So it was good to see that at least those numbers stayed even, even with the inclement conditions. It shows a commitment to passing that did not exist for the Seahawks in the past. Yeah, and you know Lockett only had the two uh, targets, uh, caught one of them for 38, a really nice long catch uh, against pass interference because they had Darby on them. They had their best cover corner, who's finally mostly healthy. Uh, Drift King Metcalf had the catch over Jalen Mills, who's one of their better corners as well so they're getting healthier on defense um i think people forgot that going into this game for philly and the plays were there for seattle um the other piece that i think really hurt seattle's offense and helped philly's defense quite a bit this is a really poorly officiated game the first nine penalties were called on seattle um it ended up being 12 penalties for 90 yards versus two for 15 Now, I think we'll all agree Seattle played a sloppy game. There were some overthrows, fumbles, um, some stupid penalties. But when you have things like Joey Hunt getting called for a tripping penalty for not falling down on a club move, or some of these calls just didn't make sense. And it's part of a trend of poor officiating in the NFL. And something that needs to be straightened out going into next season i i don't think that there's any real answer for that though they've already shown the unwillingness to uh to change their mind on these uh on these like uh, plays with the on the pi penalties yeah Yeah. correct and and so i just don't think that there's any real any there's not gonna be any real push from the league side to fix this because the real way to fix it is to you know use var or whatever you want to call it you know use the the review to, to figure it out. And that's just not, that's just not going to happen. This is not going to work. So we kind of have to deal with a hand we're dealt here. At least they're not the replacement refs. They're slightly better, but they're still, are they? They're still, they're just slightly. It's just inconsistent, man. The refereeing's inconsistent. You never know when, when it's going to be the game where you have to play, you know, 15 on 11 and, and you end up losing. That's just, that's kind of part of it. I think. It but sucks. again, just like the 49ers game, Seattle walking away with the win, I think says a lot about the team. Yeah. The team was resilient. They stayed, they kept their head in the game. I would say the the biggest thing that I saw from Philadelphia's defense that they, their defensive line kind of had a field day and they, they noticed something, I especially think, Graham Cause, and Cox. Cause six of six of their, all six of their sacks came when the rest was under pressure. But 
three of the three of the sacks came during blitzes, and I think up until this point, I hadn't felt like teams were bringing a lot of blitzes against us, but they must have noticed something because they brought Malcolm Jenkins, their safety, a lot, kind of on weird blitzes, and I don't know if that's an e- more of an Eagles thing or more of something they saw on the tape that they thought they could exploit, but either way, um, they, they brought extra dudes, and their defensive line kind of had a field day. They got a lot of pressures with their defensive line. I like line. that, though. I, I think that's a good point. Is that an Eagles thing? I think it is. Uh, Peterson is is a very good coach. He's a very good defensive-minded coach. I'm sure he saw something, but it didn't exactly work against us that well. Um, and I think it's just something the Eagles are going to do, kind of like every time you play the Pittsburgh Steelers, they're going to bring these crazy, you know, seven-man blitzes, you know, who's coming, who's staying back. Just Well, what they were but, doing is they were using a safety to spy Russ, and then if it was an opportunity, they would send that safety on a delayed blitz yeah, McLe- off the spy. McLeod and Jenkins both did it, and Nathan Gary did it one time. Got a sack. Uh, another thing, too, is is their interior lineman, you know, Fletcher Cox, can just really overpower Joey Hunt if we ever leave him soloed up on and it. And, so oh, we, man, that happened we, a couple that times. That happened a couple times. And so we had to basically double-team Fletcher Cox the entire game, which makes your life really difficult when you have to constantly double-team one guy. I, I rest sat the other day. Aaron Donald's been double-teamed this season on, like, 90, 90% of his snaps or something. Yeah, if they and, had any other good pass rushers, it would really be hard right. for everyone. <laughs> they, they could make everyone's life difficult if any of those other guys could get going. And I think that in this game, other guys did get going. Brandon Graham got going. Um, Josh Sweat got going a little bit. Jenkins. Jenkins, Vinnie Curry, Timmy Jernigan, all these guys got pressures. So it's just something that we have to watch out for in the future is if Hunt is getting really overpowered, if, you know, heaven forbid, this is not what I want to happen, but if Posich isn't ready to come back and play center before the end of the season, then then I... Hunt struggles Hunt, against a legit nose tackle. Hunt's going to have trouble. Any team with a really good nose tackle is going to be able to kind of put it to Joey Hunt, and we're going to have to chip double all the time. Well, and then Fluker and Effetti had a rough game because Hunt was more double-teaming on uh, Yupati's side. Uh, we did get Jones in at right guard for a couple of snaps, and he looked decent, but that right side contingency from Hunt to Fluker to Effetti was somewhere between below average and tire fire. Yeah, that the thing about the thing that's weird is like Dwayne Brown, awesome game in the pass block. Like it's like these guys are so inconsistent, right? Like the left side of the line looked good in the pass game, and then but then they looked not good in the run game. And the right side of the line looked better to me in the run game, but then you know what I mean? It just like doesn't make any sense. I it's feel like, like the right side of the like line put is it, put it together, man. Like just everyone play 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 at least slightly below average at everything. I want to say statistically, I feel like the right side is going to always be better running the ball. Is that um, just because a fet- strong side with the tight end on that side? Yeah, yeah. a Fetty too. I mean, a Fetty is a good run blocker. Yeah, he is, and, we can trash about Fluker. him all he wants, but he didn't have a penalty in this game. He did Deaky a decent boys. job in the run game. That's he all he got beat a couple times in the past game, but that you know. It's not that, and it's going to happen. Dwayne Brown, I think, had a good game because they they put up a lot of pressure up the middle. Ayupati had to deal with that, and D. this Brown is, could handle his business on an island. <laughs> exactly, and this is something we'll bring up as the months go on after we win the Super Bowl this year, where this offensive line moving forward, that is something we haven't really kind of hoped for or, or mentioned a lot because there's really no reason to. But with Posich being the future. Joy Hunt being a backup, Brown is good. There's a lot of question marks going in the next season. Do you, do you think Fluke was playing hurt in this game? Because that's the guy who conceded snaps to Jamarco Jones. Do you think that, like, or do you think that was a trial run to see, like, hey, what if we just switch these guys? I kind of hope it was a trial run, but I think it might have been that he's playing dinged up. But if he is playing dinged up, I would like to see 
give Jones a game and let Fluker heal up. Because I think Jones has shown that he can hold his own at guard. Fluker was on that struggle less in this game. He was. He's bad. This is the type of year, the time of year where you're going to have a banged up offensive line. It's across the board in the NFL. And unfortunately, we're no different. Yeah, it's, it'd be nice. It's, to be it's totally healthy, acceptable to say, yeah, he's okay. banged up. And let's go rushing game. Um, I think this is a big point of contention for a lot of people. A lot of people on Twitter, you know, saying like, hey, Chris Carson, hold on to the freaking football. <laughs> and you can't really blame him, right? Now, question. The second fumble. The way, so they he, obviously they fumbled two plays in a row. Yep. Uh, worst case scenario. Who's that second fumble on? Is it more Russ? Is it more Carson? Is it is it more just like you want to everyone to, to to go sit down and figure it out russ put the ball right on his numbers that is on carson to hold on to when big number three puts the ball right on your numbers you got to take that ball and you got to run with it announcer had it right and i'm with kevin 100 I, I don't really get um and carson and, i think carson was in his head from the play before that's yep. why you pull a guy aside when he fumbles like that and you sit him down for a few plays and you say look don't do that and you put the other guy in because he comes out the very next play they go right back to him which is a very pete carroll thing to do by the way yeah let it's him very, prove himself let him prove himself let him they get did it there. again with the swing pass after the fumble yeah so then and then it's like cool great so now he fumbled again because he was in his head he and was it, and not it's expecting the ball either he had no idea it was coming it's definitely very in his head like this yep. is a carson knows he's thinking about this all the time because he has totally destroyed himself mentally trying to figure out this this uh this fumbling issue and now it's it's a big issue and the thing is is it makes it a bigger issue because there's an actual guy here who can actually take the ball from him and run now. Because Penny yeah. had his game. This was him. This is Rashad Penny's coming out party. I mean, what'd you see, Eric? And Rashad Penny, it's... We've talked on this podcast, and you'll just see a lot of articles about it. When are the Seahawks going to have a good number one pick in the draft that's going to you know, be someone that they can depend on? Rashad Penny was a guy that was shopped around at the trade deadline. I'm not sure if I want to see him off the team, but I'm not sure that he has had a place. Now look at this game. This is what we wanted from Rashad Penny. This is what he can do. Kevin, look at Rashad Penny and tell me, uh, think of your your bottom 10 running back teams. And not necessarily offensive line, but just running back teams. So look at the Cincinnati Bengals. Would you rather have Joe Mixon or would you rather have Rashad Penny? Uh, that's a really hard question. What am I trying to do? Do I want four yards in a cloud of dust? Or do I want a guy who's a home run threat on every single yeah, play? exactly. And that's the thing about Penny is in the pass game, in the run game, he is a walking potential touchdown. Um, he had five tackles avoided in the game. He had three runs of 10 yards or more. He had – the big thing is he had 14 rushes for 129 yards. And you go, well, he had that 58-yard run, right? So then 13 for 71, that's still a really good day. That's awesome. So he was breaking off chunk yards on these outside runs, and then when they would get wide to try and shut that down, because I think that was the thing. Carson was running up the middle to little effect at the beginning because they were crowding the box, and so Carson would run into the middle and he could get more than a handful of yards. And they were giving all their pressure up the middle, not all, a lot of pressure up the middle. So they brought Penny in to force the defense to spread out a little bit, and then when the defense spread out, they had him take a single cut in the guard tackle gap, and he took it for 58 yards to the house, 
with a nice little baby stiff arm in there. And we always talk about how he's good on his first cuts. And then another thing, too, is at the end of that play, I liked the guy that he kind of shucked the safety that he on the big play where he, he that guy came for him and he was ready. He knocked that guy, last guy I off, thought, I was like, don't run towards him. Didn't matter. Uh, my, my point is, so look at like the bottom 10 running back teams or who you would perceive who need running backs. I think you would want, if you are one of those teams or fans of that team, you'd if want you're a Rashad Houston, Penny. Yeah, you'd want a Rashad Penny. Look what he could do in Houston. Rashad, now, here's the thing. Here's the thing for me. If you ask me, like, gun to my head, Rashad Penny or Chris Carson, who's better? I don't know. I think it might still be Chris Carson. Chris Carson might still be the better overall running back. He's had an excellent season. He's still at the top of the charts. Chris Carson avoids on the ball most but, of the season. But there's, but there's yes. issues with Carson. He's not perfect. He's, he's fumbling the ball. He's dropping the ball. And Penny is good and deserves some opportunities, especially in games where Chris can't get care of the football. And we've seen this time and time again. The Patriots, they have less ball security issues. Why? Because they all those players know if you fumble the football, you're going to fumble jail. And every person who's owned a New England Patriots running back in fantasy knows that they, that that they don't if, come out very easy. Yeah, if, you, if one of those guys is out of the game, they're out of the game. You're, you lost that guy for the whole game. And yeah, so, he's got fumble Alcatraz. Yeah, so it's, so it's like Carson needs to be – when they need to be serious with him. Secure the ball. Take care of the football. Yes, break the tackles. Yes, do your, do your thing. Go out there and do your thing. Be a tank. He's literally a tank. Well, and with Pete Carroll's toxic differential philosophy, you would think that would be something that gets pushed on pretty big. Yeah, so I would like to see in the future, just as this season progresses, this carry distribution should become more even. I understand at the beginning of the season, they rode the hot hand, right? Chris Carson has had a really great start to the season. Four 100-yard games, um, 879 total yards. I think he's ninth in the league in rushing. He's on track for a 1,000-yard season. He's going to get a 1,000-yard season, let's be honest. But as the season has worn on, I think that we should – his numbers of carries should be from the mid-20s, maybe down to 16. And then maybe we give – 10 to 12 carries to Penny. That number should be, those numbers should be getting closer together, not farther apart as the season kind of 16 and 12, 16, 14, something like that. And and, and whoever's whoever's playing better or whatever the game script, because these guys both bring something different to the table. Penny's the home run hitter. He's, he's absolutely fantastic in space. He's so good in space. It's why we said, you look at his college shape, he's an electric kick returner. Why? Because he's, he's excellent in space. He's so good. But this is a, this is a guy like Carson, Carson, thing about our offensive line is they're better than they were they're competent but they're not good it's a bad offensive line russell wilson is still being pressured on over 40 percent of his dropbacks just like he was in the tom cable era that's not a good offensive line by any measurement you want to do so carson gets you five yards no matter what yeah. because he will run a dude over to get five yards yep that thing so you just need the game script to determine in this game I think that we saw that there was space available on the outside space available for a good one cut home run hitter and penny got the call and that needs to continue in the season. There are other game scripts that will that might be a good call against, and we need to really look at look hard and game plan. And it, one thing I hate about the Seahawks is it always feels like we come in with one game plan, and then at halftime or maybe in the second quarter we switch to another game plan that works way better. And it's like, where was that game plan before the game started, right? Like, where, right. where with Pete? What were you doing? Were you asleep at the wheel? Like, How much you, tape were you not watching this week? Right? <laughs> did, did you sit around chewing gum watching 9-11 conspiracy stuff? Like, <laughs> He's a truther. <laughs> Pete does have this thing where he knows there's going to be adjustments, and he wants to out-coach the adjustments. He wants to come prepared. He wants to be that kid who comes to class in the second half of games that's three chapters ahead. And let's face it, 
it does work for us. He wants to be the person who figures out if jet fuel can melt steel beams. Steel girders. I'll say this about Pete Carroll, and this is what I love about him. He's a second-half coach. In the first quarter, sometimes it's maddening. Yes, in the first half, we've we've got plenty pissed off on this show. But that's what that's one thing I appreciate about him. I'll, I'll take that if that means we win more games. You know, in Pete Vember, Pete Sember... Yes, that, uh, that second Ruary. half adjustment. We're a second half team, Nathan. Let's, I don't know if you hope, know that or not. Let's, let's we can pray for Pete Ueri. Russell Wilson. Pete Russell Wilson played played baseball, and uh, and we're a second Ruary. half team. Um, did you know that the Seahawks now have a over twenty uh oh thirty three point eight percent chance of getting a first round bye in the playoffs? It seems good. Every it's week good. the San Francisco 49ers need up. to lose. Yeah, we need and the 49ers every week, to lose. damn it. They've had two great weeks of almost losing. You know, but if we beat them head to head, doesn't matter. Yeah. By almost last week, I'm We're before the game started the playoffs. There's we're not we're making the playoffs. The NFC is like it's six teams. I guess Minnesota could fall apart or we could fall apart, but it just doesn't seem like that's Maybe Green Bay. Maybe Green Bay is the team that falls apart. Green Bay is falling apart. They seem like they're falling Minnesota apart. Minnesota will take that I would still division. say Green Bay's got a really good shot to make the playoffs cuz the team in wild card pole position is the six and five Rams is the seventh team. And I don't know if you know this or not, but they're not very good. They're not good. They were there. No, the their NFC quarterback is, is broken. Too. They are a disaster. Do the Giants have any chance of stealing that Giants, NFC East zero, title? Zero point zero percent chance. Okay, just had to, had they're to make two sure. And, they are two and nine. And Dallas is six and five. Well, they're mathematically they eliminated. I thought they had four wins. What do so, I know? So they can. They Dallas would basically have to lose out. Bring back Eli. Bring him back. Yeah, I mean, it can't be worse. Okay. So let's get to the defense. The Seahawks defense, what Ooh. a difference a Quandre Diggs makes. I know. Uh, we played single high safety a lot in this game. Quandre Diggs was that free safety, and Quandre Diggs played very good in coverage. Uh, it was a little bit, um, you know what, we went from one Texas safety to another Texas safety, and it was kind of looked like the old defense was a little bit back. The thing Weirdly is, enough, it did. Quandre Diggs is not as fast as Earl Thomas. He doesn't cover as much ground, but he's much more decisive and quicker in his reads than Tetrick Thompson, and right. that makes a world of difference. Yeah, he's a he's basically like a four five six version of, of Earl Thomas. He processes very quickly. Yes, Kevin's right. He's a great processor. Um, he's going to miss a couple tackles every once in a while because he's small, uh, but that's okay. That's he's still a very quick processor. He makes good decisions and he, and he hits hard. It's he hits just hard. sometimes he can't bring they do down that the Thomas rest of the thing where he hits a guy, slows him down, doesn't actually make the tackle, but then one yard later, someone else is going to make the tackle because he slowed him down. Right. Um, I'm a big. I mean, I'm in on Quandre Diggs now. They threw 52 times, and we needed to have extra secondary guys in the field. And what Quandre Diggs opened up was that we didn't have to play double high anymore. Brad got to come into the box, play with the safeties or play with the tight ends, mess with the tight ends. Um, Brad was Brad had a great coverage game. Targeted him four times, gave up one yard total, and got an interception. Brad just an excellent overall coverage game. I like have I think it kind of morphed our defense back into more what we want to look like. Now we expected slot cornerback to be. Ugo Amadi. We thought this would be the rise of Amadi, but actually, Akeem King got the 26 slot snaps in this game, which oh, is boy. which is the most slot snaps. We had. Now he had a really good game. I don't sure. want to bash him for this performance, but this is probably the biggest softball a slot cornerback could get in the NFL. And um, and then <laughs> because and we Eric, can up, you and, name their third wide receiver? Uh, well, it's Nelson Aguilar who didn't play. No, no, no. They, they, come on, dude. You heard the name a bunch of times in this game. Wade. Wade Jr. Yes, Wade Jr. is a is a made <laughs> you know, up. He you know, is, Wade Jr. He is a creative player in Madden twenty seventeen. Actually, it's, it's Ward Jr. I was about to say it's Greg Ward Jr., the former Ward Houston Jr. 
uh, quarterback. I messed it up. Ward, University of, of Houston quarterback Greg Ward I didn't Jr. Hear this guy I didn't hear either one of those names called. Six, uh, six former Knicks point guard Greg Ward, uh, his you, son, the, uh, Heisman Award winner. Yes. Wow. Charlie Ward. Greg Ward, one of the best quarterbacks to never play the game. Greg Ward Jr. Though I'd be honest, like I thought he looked kind of decent out there. I was, I was like, also how yeah, the I, hell couldn't, I couldn't even remember his name. But they Greg... ran a super possess, a super possession uh, game, like these, like just very dink and dunk with an inaccurate quarterback. Uh, people were catching the ball, turning around, getting hit. That was their whole offense. Uh, Dallas Goddard caught seven passes for 32 yards. Which we knew he was going to be a part of this game. Yeah, they tried to throw but short seven a whole bunch, which is, which is not, that's does gross. not, it does not play to their quarterback's <laughs> strengths. That's the thing that's, that's crazy. Is Dallas that, like, Goddard's yards per reception were about the same as Chris Carson's yards per attempt. They threw so short. I think they were scared of the wind. And I mean, I don't blame them. Carson Wentz is pretty inaccurate. Even and the passes was the he was, even the passes he was completing did not look good. Like, he completed nine out of fourteen passes under pressure, but they were like, yikes! Yeah, a lot of high throws. Uh, receivers having to go back to get it, and then he had the really bad interception uh, throw to uh, Trey Flowers, where it was fourth quarter, um, theoretically a chance to maybe get two drives before the end of the game, Guys, I- and he's going up the sideline. Trey Flowers comes up and just straight up takes it. Like ex- he basically threw it to Flowers. I have exciting news. Yep. Akeem King had more coverage snaps than Michael Kendricks. Woo. So, I mean, bare minimum, that's a good step. It's right? a step that's, in the right direction. That's a huge step. Can it's like we, a modern defense. Can we just take okay. one more step? Uh, who's your Who is your stud in this game, Eric? Like, did you was there a player that really stood out to you? Oh, man, you know how much I how much I love safety and Quandre Diggs was great. I will I will give this this uh, game ball. I like to give the the low key game ball the the person you may not think of. Who under the radar game ball? Yeah, how cool is it that Quim Griffin has found a possible role on this team that he is really Dude good at? Dude almost got two sacks. The Jacob, the Jacob, the Martin, strip. He's he, Jacob Martin role. Yeah. He is disruptive, and that's all I ever need from him. I want sacks. I want Pro Bowls. People, but if he's just disruptive on a consistent basis, I will effing take it. People, a people who listen to this podcast know that we thought that this was the role Quim Griffin was drafted to play. We thought Quim Griffin was going to play... Kind of a the, the Jacob Martin role, he yeah. Was gonna, and then Jacob situational Martin, pass rusher. And then Jacob Martin, we didn't really know why we drafted him because it seemed like too samey. And then we found out they had a different plan for him. They were going to try to have him play signed up linebacker, which he is a really good athlete. So and he played safety before. So I get what they were digging at. But go watch the tape of the Auburn game from college, from his college career, and tell me that he shouldn't be playing defensive end. Like this is this is what he was born to do. Yeah, he's he was, a two hundred and thirty five pound defensive end. He, it he can't play he can't play four downs because he's too small. And it makes sense that he it but took him a year to get here. He he needs to stand up and play when we have a Leo on the field, Shaquem Griffin is a great choice for that role. He's not he's not a talisman, he's not a joke, he's not a, a, a mascot. He's disruptive he's as hell. Re, he's a real good athlete that can get around. He's got good bend around the edge and, and then I think that's gonna it's gonna be really successful actually the way he works there. And maybe this is the problem that he ran into in the draft process, which is that his weight made it seem like he maybe couldn't have played that role. A lot of teams decided to pass on him because I was really surprised that he went in the fifth round, to be honest, just from his measurables and from his tape. I thought, okay, fourth third round, fourth round. That's what I predicted. And uh he just kept dropping and dropping and dropping and dropping and it might be because the weight. The weight is tough. Two, playing defensive at two thirty-five, he's going to get blown up on some plays. He There's, looks like the size of his brother who plays cornerback. Yeah, right? he was uh, two forty-two yes. on his way in, and there was so much water weight he must have slotted yeah, when his, he got on the scale. His, his, his listed his listed weight at um, 
at uh, on the in the pro media guide is 227. Yeah, that that seems exactly right because I think and Shaquille is, uh, Shaquille's, Shaquille's 198 on the, in the pro guide, but I think he's bigger. I think he's a little now. bigger. He's probably he's like, like 210. But they don't update it. They, he, no. He's bulked up a little. He's probably like slightly over 200, 205. In pads, they look the same. Yeah. So yes. So you know, Kim's a little bigger, but not a lot. But Quim is also, you can see his, it's quickness, but it's also overall speed. When he breaks out, it looks like he's just, he's part of a casino blitz, but it's just him on that side. And it's really awesome to look at. Three, and pre- the, three pressures, man. He was real in this game. He, he definitely had a big impact on the game force. The I term mean, that you hear all the time is can you uh, transferring speed into power and power into speed. And that's something that uh, Quim's really good at is he takes his speed and with a couple of his rip moves, he's able to pu- push the tackle onto their back foot so they can't just manhandle and maul him because he's coming off the edge in a way that's really difficult to deal with. Um, it's functionally like running a really good safety blitz with a safety who understands exactly how to do it. There was another player we really needed to step up with JV and Clowney out. Oh, is that, it my guy that I was going to say was, was my Ezekiel, top dude? Ezekiel Ansa. Oh, that was not my guy. No. And Ezekiel Ansa had a real football game in this game. Five, game where he five pressures, like he two sacks, three hits, two run stops, and a fumble forced. Like, he was a force on the outside, the guy that we can expect. We kind of expected we got this year. I don't know if it'll be there the whole year. This we, The team we were playing this week had a depleted offensive line and really looked like they had a depleted offensive line. Yeah, Dillard, Pryor, though we also victimized Kelsey and uh, Everyone. Somalo. It's tough when guys are missing, though. We it know is. this when, when, guy, when guys get hurt in your offensive line, and we, we know this as Seahawks fans because it happens to us every year, that you, you never know how the guys are going to mix up together. There's a comfortability factor when guys play a bunch of games together, and you kind of need week to week it to you go like that. And um, but anyway, Ansa took advantage, and I didn't know if he had that left in the tank, but he did. And let's hope that he can give us at least like one or two of more of those this season. You know, if he has two more two sack games in between the regular season and the playoffs, I would be ecstatic. That would make me feel like it was all worth, season. It was all worth it for him. You know, if he had like a an eight sack, Six, eight sack an season. eight sack season at this point, I think would be a we'd have to consider that a huge success. Yes, um, for and, minimum investment. And we didn't get we didn't get we didn't pay anything to get him. Right, exactly. All right, Kevin. I know. I think I know who your guy is, but I'm gonna. I was gonna. I'm gonna let you have it. Go. For I appreciate it. that because uh, I actually was gonna let you have it because I thought you were gonna say Quentin Jefferson who had himself a pretty good game along the line. But my guy is somebody who we've talked about showing a much more consistent level of play this year. And it topped out with what I would say is his best game as a pro. And that's Rasheem Green. Uh, I really liked Rasheem Green's game in college. I felt like he was a guy who needed some seasoning. And in this game, he had six pressures, one sack, three run stops, stuffed the stats all the way across the board. Uh, he showed that he can beat up on bad offensive linemen, which is your first step towards beating up on average offensive linemen. Um, he went from a guy who has been doing pretty good against the run and providing minimal pass to suddenly a guy who's getting a lot of pressures. And having a guy like Quim Griffin, uh, if Quim Griffin's lining up on his outside shoulder every once in a while or another kind of speed rusher, it makes people really have to deal with his power in a different way because Rasheem Green's got some strength. I worry about Rasheem Green just consistency-wise because he, you know, he had the four the four pressure game against Cincinnati in the first week. He had a six pressure game against LA, and then in every other game he had one or zero. He pressures. tends to disappear, and, and, and I don't know why that and is. And it's just 
I don't know if it's that he's just you know like you said Kevin he needs some seasoning he's well, he came out as like 21 year old I think he's 22 right now 22 and a half yeah yeah he's he's still a puppy with big paws wow. he's uh his May 15th that's, that's his birthday so if you want to send Rasheem Green a birthday card May 15th 19, if you remind 1997 us, well, How, does that make you feel old Eric that he was born in 1997 absolutely like <laughs> <laughs> who's who is the best 1997 Seahawk? Hold on, give me you guys. John, give John me 50 Kittner. minutes. Uh, how about? Uh, I don't think so yet. I don't think he was on the team. Mike Pritchard at wide receiver. Oh, wow, get out of here. Was, was uh, Brian Blade still on the team? Well, I mean, it was Walter Jones, but yeah, that's that's the best. It. 19. This cherry picking, Kevin. John Kittner was the backup for that team, by the way. The starting yeah, quarterback. Warren Moon. Was John Freeze. Oh, it was Warren John, Moon. John Freeze was the black other quarterback backup. for Seattle. Oh, Warren my Moon. best memory of 1997 was going to Husky Stadium and watching them play the Saints. 847. The that rush, was a thing. This is a bad team. The rushing yards leader was 847 yards. Chris, Chris Warren. Warren. Yeah. And then the, uh, the receiving end. leader was a uh, young the Schwam Joey members, Galloway. A young Joey Galloway. Yeah. Going for 1,000 yards. Yep. With 12 yeah. touchdowns. Right, right. And then also going for a trade the next season. Was it the next couple, season? I think it was two couple seasons more. later, yeah. It, it was two, yeah. It was 19, Sean Springs. After the 1999 yeah, give me, season. Give me Sean Springs. Sean Springs was actually pretty good. Yeah. I, yeah. I was quite quite a fan. I agree. All right. Anyway. Defense. Enough memory. Yeah, Kevin. Uh, I, I, I thought, actually thought you were going to pick Rasheem Green, Kevin. So Yeah. Uh, Quentin Jefferson also had a good game, and we've talked about how his ability to play both inside and outside yeah, has been a five huge, pressures, a sack. huge asset to the team. They, he can line up all over the line. He can spell anyone. Um and yeah, overall, just a good defensive performance. I don't think there's anyone I really want to rag on. I think Puna Ford's playing hurt, and that's definitely hurting his his level of play. Yeah, and I think we need Clowney back to be able to do anything against a really good offensive line. But I appreciate giving him the opportunity to rest if he needs it so that we have him healthy for the games that we really need him. And how right. impressive was it to actually kick ass on defense without Jadavian Clowney? And two biggest... weeks in a row, we've had a really good defensive showing. Yeah. Shh. Secret yards, guys. You ready for secret yards? Secret yards. Secret yards, uh, Jason Jason Myers, really good. Yeah. He kicks off good, get some touchbacks to get some touchbacks, get some bad the bad returns where they only get like twenty two yards, so they start the drive past the twenty five, which always makes me happy. Made his only field goal, made both extra points. Jason Myers is back, baby. Let's go. Uh, I will also bring up back punt to twenty eighteen preseason. Dixon ball. had that one punt bad punt, punt shanked it the first time every other into punt the wind. Was awesome. Yep, and then he just. Killed it. Drilled the ball back. Kept him back. A really good punt coverage. He was really mad after that first one because that was a really bad punt. It was. Like it was one of the worst really I've seen. Really were on him about it. He could hear it. And it only turned into a field goal. So yeah. we didn't pay that yeah. much. It was because the defense uh, had an Wentz awesome is game. really bad at throwing the football. Okay, you guys ready to talk about our next opponent? Uh, real quick, Seahawks. This is a big game. Correction department. Oh. Greg Ward Jr.'s dad. Not. Was a truck driver and Pentecostal pastor. <laughs> Not go- Charlie. I googled Ward. that because I was like, oh, I, I already knew that. Too. I was just doing that to mess with you. Yeah, well, his name is Greg. I knew Ward. You'd fall his for name that. is Greg Ward Jr. How could his dad also named Greg that Ward? That was clue number one. That was <laughs> that was clue number. <laughs> what if it was? What if his dad? What if he has two dads? This is a thing because <laughs> what if it's three men and a baby? <laughs> it's exactly. Ted, well, Ted dances in on it. You didn't know I was head of the it, correction it's, department. Uh, it's Charlie Ward, Greg Ward, and Ward Burton. All right, former NASCAR. I driver. am ready for this Vikings game, Nathan. Are you sure? Because I think you, I think you want to talk about Ward Burton more. Is that Eric? You've been waiting for this in your the whole number forty-one. You've he's, been practicing his accent for two years he's, now. He's no Steve Gutenberg. Okay, you ready for this? My, my biggest fear in this game, my easily my biggest fear. You ready? Yep. They have awesome defensive ends. Oh my gosh. 
watching the tape, Daniel Hunter and Everson Griffin scare the shit out of me. And I, I am very worried about the, the state of our offensive line and how it compares to these two monsters coming off the edge against us, I don't know, probably 40 times in this game. Yep. That is absolutely this is a thing they last play a ton of snaps really proposition. well and they both play a lot and they both play good they don't they don't get they don't get worn down or tired and, and then, linval joseph is really powerful in the middle against joey hunt right linval joseph is no joke he's he's fine and the other thing is they have the best run stopping linebacker in the league right now is eric kendricks He's a he's a young player. The other Kendricks, out of the good UCLA. Kendricks. He's f- or five fifth year in the NFL, but he has played out of his mind this year. How many run stops do you think he has? All of them. Thirty. Yes. <laughs> wow, that's a lot. Run stops. That's a lot. That's a lot in in you know ten games. That's three a game. He's really stopping the run well. He has a his pro football focus grade is ninety point five. Insane. Um, he's cover. He's playing well in coverage. He's just having a really 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 solid season, and um. It worries me that we're not going to have a lot going up the middle, but I have hope. And that hope is that we can get those defensive ends over-pursuing and hand it to our boy, Rashad Penny, for some big plays. I think the Penny coming out party is actually huge this week because this is the kind of team with the with all their pressure comes from the edges. Okay, All their pressures come from the edges. Their third most pressures on their team, other than those two defensive ends, is 17. The two, top two guys have 71 and 58, to give you a point of comparison. All their pressure comes from the edge, okay? And what we need to do is use that against them. Get those guys going too far down the field. Get those guys over-pursuing and use, have Russ step up in the pocket and throw or have a nice cut lane up ready ready to go for, for a shot penny to get up the field. As long as they don't figure out you Joey just, Hunt. You just gotta, all you got to do then is beat Eric Hendricks, right, up the middle, and we got a big play. So I, I'm looking for that this week against this team. Uh, I'm also looking for Hercules Madafa to get a couple snaps because that's like one of my all-time favorite WSU players, the <laughs> undersized interior defender with a really cool name. I got I, a couple of things else I'm looking for. Him. Uh, that, that's what I looked at when I, I kind of scouted their defense mostly. I didn't really watch too much of their offense. I, I know that I've watched them play this year, so I know that um, Cousins has been pretty good and Dalvin Cook's had an awesome season. But, Kevin, did you watch the, them a little bit more? So taking a look at the defense, I came up with a very similar conclusion, which is if we can figure out a way to buy Russ about two and a half seconds – their corners, secret garbage. Trey Wayne, Xavier Rhodes, uh, Mackenzie Alexander has been decent. You know, like Mike Xavier Hughes Rhodes? has been Xavier really Rhodes, bad. Xavier Rhodes, Xavier Rhodes so far this season a has allowed season. 47 receptions on 55 targets for a 124.6 NFL rating when thrown against him. Oh. When balls get thrown at Xavier Rhodes, it's very good for you the know other teams. And Trey Wayne's, hey, Trey Wayne's a lot like him. 109.5, 45 receptions. Yeah, when you come after these cornerbacks, it's good. It's good for you, but you have to have time. To, Kevin's right. You have to have time. Because their safeties are good, so we, it, these have to be these quick hitting routes where the safeties can't come in and close on the receivers. Yeah, Harrison Smith's awesome. I would not want to be challenging him very much. Who's the other safety who's going to come up and spy uh, Anthony us? Harris, who's Anthony, been playing really well. Anthony Harris, who's who's been up and down, but lately been better. Because at the beginning of the season, he was kind of getting gashed. He he's given and up. J. Ron Curse, who's been kind of playing their slot corner, but he's kind of a big nickel. Yeah, Anthony Harris, like at the beginning of the season, I was like shaky on, but now he's awesome. He's been really hot lately. And Harrison Smith's just been daggers all year. So sure. that that is a bit of a concern. But if we can attack the corners to the outside, or if we can establish a run game and force them to bring a safety into the box, so it's like single high Harrison Smith, he has to pick who he's going to cover, and then we're uh, doing things to make them choose. Because like, you can't double-team Gordon, Lockett, and... 
uh, DK. Somebody's going to be on single coverage against this uh, corner. So it's going to be about figuring out who's the person on single coverage and how can we exploit it. Right. So I, I see ways that we can be successful against their defense. You'll have a healthy Tyler Lockett in this game. DK on a redemption story. Josh Gordon will actually not be a ghost this time. Kirk Cousins' review takes uh, a lot of bad sacks. He does. And, you know, good thing about their offensive line, it gives up a lot of bad sacks. Yeah, he's been pressured 133 times this season. Their interior of their line is bad. 22 sacks, and he gives up bad sacks. They're... They struggle with this. This is their big. This is their big problem. Yeah, we need to get pressure on them from up the gut. I could see this being a really big Quentin Jefferson game, uh, getting a lot of pressure in the guard center gap. Don't you see Clowney roaming over to to stand right over Garrett Bradbury's head and make him just shit his pants? Exactly. Uh, Pat <laughs> Elfline looks like Pat Elfline on a football field, which is not good for the record. Um, Riley Rife is not been great at end. So I could see if we can get a um, Quim Griffin. Could you imagine? Okay, you got to make a choice here. Third and long, and you have to block on the right side a combination of Jaron Reed, Jadeveon Clowney, and Quim Griffin. Like, that's a nightmare for the Vikings. And if we can get Cousins, you know, seeing ghosts, the guy has a bad game in him whenever he, he needs he, it. His problem is that he's not going to make a lot of bad throws. He holds on to the ball, and he'll get a fumble or something instead, which is good for us because we have been really good at strip sacks this year. And we've been really good at shutting down the run. Plays to our advantage. So Dalvin Cook's a good running back, but we've been shutting down the run a lot. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm excited for this game. I think it's a pretty matchup. We always play really good in primetime. The Monday Seahawks are football. awesome in primetime. It's a Monday night football game. I'll be there. Kevin. Oh, congratulations, Kevin. Kevin will be there. Uh, thank Happy you, birthday. producer Brett, for the birthday Happy gift. birthday to Kevin. Um, yeah, and my Dalvin Cook thing, I mean, he's good, but he's not like breaking a million tackles or anything. He needs space to work. Yep. 39 avoided tackles. It's like seventh in the league or eighth in the league. That's half of Chris Carson. He's good, but he's not like unstoppable. We can, we can beat him. We just need to work for it. It's going to be hard. And And they have good receivers, but we don't know if Adam Thielen is going to play. This is a, a rejuvenated Seahawk defense that you have to look at. We're almost a different team. I, I really don't want to be cheeky with it, but we are we are a little bit of a different team these last couple of weeks. Big stat that I want to give to everyone, the Minnesota Vikings, 0-12-1 on outdoor road games since 2016. All right, there you go. Put, uh, put, put Kirk Cousins in This is in an a, outdoor road game. Lock Kirk, it up. Put Cousins in a dome. It's going to be cold, too. This is going to be a cold game. It uh, is. I'm, uh, I'm jazzed. Yeah, Kevin, get wear layers. Uh, I've got my uh, my lovely retro Seahawks beanie that I wore for the podcast. Uh, very nice. Hot take: Alexander Madison is just as good as as Dalvin Cook. Like he has almost he has well over half he has half the avoided tackles in one third of the games. Uh, he, uh, Alexander Madison has a little Chris Carson in him in that he, a breakaway run for him is eighteen yards. Yeah. So I mean, he, Dalvin <laughs> Cook has much more home run potential. Has, I have, but I if you're down. trying to do a little cut and go between the tackles, you can do a lot worse than Madison. Madison has five runs of over 20 yards this year, though. He's not like he's not like a joke, you know, when it comes to that. No, but yes, Dalvin Cook has like a 75 yard run and stuff. He can he can go to the house. All right, let's get into picks. I'm going Seahawks, um, 28, Vikings 27. Oh my heart, Eric. I'm Seahawks, my tats deli. 28, Vikings, 17. Oh, I thought you were going to say 27. I was like going to be, I was going to be high That's five. why I give you that look when I, you I said like, 28. I was like, oh, I was like, oh exciting. I'm not, we're going to have no one-point game on Monday Night Football. Russ is going to cry. 
No way. They'll be up by a lot, and then garbage time touchdown. Minnesota goes for – or touchdown, and they go for two to win it. If cover, interception, interception, Bobby Wagner. Cover your ears if you don't like salty language. But after on on the NFL Network, Russ is going to be sitting there, big dick in it, smiling, going, "Well, you know, I just I love my teammates and blah, trust blah, in blah. the Lord." Yeah, you know, and go Hawks. God is good. Go Hawks. And Deion Sanders is going to say stupid right. shit. Go ahead, Kevin. Kevin. Uh, Seahawks twenty four. Vikings sixteen. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think we all think it's going to be a pretty similar, like, it's kind of close going into the yep. third quarter, I don't, and then Russ is just better than Kirk Cousins. I don't suspect we'll run away with it, but I do expect Kirk Cousins to have a critical fumble at a, at a critical time, and that to kind of really salt away the game. I want to say if something. If we do lose the game, it's going to be because the pass rush gets to Russ too much, and their wide receivers are something we can't contend with. That's how we lose it. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting about this team. I want to say this. I feel about as confident as I did during our two Super Bowl runs a few years ago. I feel like we can beat anybody at this every time of the season. I have so much confidence in this team. We have a rejuvenated defense. We have an offense that is clicking on most or all cylinders, and we—I don't think we've ever had that. Russ has always been great, but we've always been like, prove it, or he has to prove it. He's proven it. He's Russell Wilson. I feel great about the rest of the season. That's it. All right. If you want to support the Seahawks Nest podcast, there are many ways to do so. Best ways, head over to patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest. And for as little as $1.24 a month, get access to our Picks podcast where we make lots of jokes. And uh, it's really fun. Uh, thank you to those who have already donated. James, Tom, Lucas, Carrie, Richard, Bob, Kieran, Brett, Mike, David, Floctimus, Keith, Mitch, Shell, Brian, Frank, and Nick. Also, big ups to Burn Plant, who loves the podcast but hates that I'm bumping the microphone. But I already explained this. It's because I'm moving, and we have to keep recording in really weird places. It will get better once I moved into my new house. I apologize. That's <laughs> well, right. I hope you feel guilty. Behind, We're buying a house us. just for you. Yeah, I had, to buy, I had to buy a house. We bought a whole new house just to appease you, and you, yeah. we, it better be bumped up to five stars after that. Yeah, you, like, are, That's a very big investment just, to make you, you happy. You better just join the Patreon, because I, I, <laughs> I bought a whole house because I wanted to stop having to record weird places. He was going to only buy half a house, but he had setting up this thing. computer setup in different places, and it's just been <laughs> difficult. Eric was sitting on the floor for like four episodes. It's that's true. true. <laughs> Bye. Design by request. Yeah, I, I, I tried to give him a setup where he could sit in the chair, and he was like, no. dare you make me sit on the floor. You thought, right. it, you thought it was a joke about him being the third wheel in the introduction. Mm. Little so, did you know. All right, let's get into it. Nathan said, this I want week, to, I want to put this, banished to the floor round. I want to put these papers on a chair. Get in our, up, Eric. In our best of the 2010 series, we're going to go to top five, and we decided to sequester these movies in their own category where we could give them their own level of respect. Because I think I think <laughs> people I think level. people would be slightly <laughs> mad of how, how we rate these movies compared to other ones, and that's superhero movies. Because I think was, none of them, or maybe one or two of them, might make another list. Possibly these. Uh, I'll, I'll say this about superhero movies, just in general. They this was the decade of the superhero movie. I think <laughs> that studios started taking uh, two hundred million dollar risks because they wanted to hit home runs like these superhero movies hit home runs. Mm-hmm. And uh, it has changed that has changed the cinema forever. It will never be the same. And it's because of these superhero movies. And while I respect what they did, and I find some of them to be enjoyable, I think that they are a little bit overrated in most people's eyes. Well, it's because they've taken over cinema. Yeah, and it, and it maybe is a little bitterness on my part because I would like more movies 
with a little a uh, little uh, flavor of originality. Although some of these movies are very original, and those are the ones that are my favorite. I will okay. say uh, these movies are a lot like what happened with '80s action movies. They became ubiquitous, and they are formulaic in a lot of cases. And the floor is pretty high. Yeah, none of like these... very few of them just suck. Only yeah. a handful of them yeah, just, like really suck. Just like they're Josh, all we're like looking at you. Just like Justice League. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Tango and Justice League. Okay. So let's talk about our favorites. Eric, you get to usually kick off here. Yeah, man. Go ahead. Put one down the field. I'll be Rashad Penny. I'll catch it and run it to the house. Let's start with, mm, I don't know if it's my tippy top, but maybe it is. The Dark Knight Rises. Okay. Came the out in 2010. F- yeah, the t- 2012. I 2012. Believe. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. The uh, The end of the Christopher Nolan trilogy I don't know. It might be the weakest movie in some ways. It's also supremely entertaining. It made Bane a super cool villain. It did? It did. It made a man you could barely understand so captivating the way that uh, one of my favorite actors, Tom Hardy, emotes with no mouth. Uh, He doesn't take off the mask the whole movie. Starts his popular run of Christopher Nolan movies where you can't see his face. This is true. Despite being a very handsome man. Yes, well, that's... It's uh, getting the man for his true talent, not his looks. I think it's pretty risky for Christopher Nolan to do what he did in this movie, which is that he made a Bruce Wayne movie. Yep. Not a Batman movie. Not a... The second... You know, The Dark Knight is a a Joker movie. Batman Begins is a a Batman movie. And this movie is a Bruce Wayne movie. Yeah, good point. And that's a huge risk to take. And I think a lot of people uh, don't understand that. And And I think it makes... I think it makes this movie something that I think is really good. And other people don't love it, but I, I think it's really, really good. It's a, it's a, it's a really special movie. I think it's fun to watch. It's really good. Chris, I'm with you, Eric. I'm, I'll go hard for The Dark Knight. Christopher Nolan one, is uh, his problems are he rushes things. He'll say like, yeah, 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 and then this happens. We don't, we don't need to explain all this. And that's, I, that's n- never more evident than in The Dark Knight Rises. How did he? How did Bruce Wayne get back to Gotham? It doesn't matter. He just got back there. Uh, that's that's probably my only complaint about the movie. Keeping going. Let's round these out. Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Wakanda forever, dude. Wakanda forever. Well, uh, every time I see Chadwick Boseman on TV and he's in some new movie where he's a cop and he's like, you don't want to mess with me, I instantly repeat, you don't want to mess with me because he's so iconic <laughs> as the Black Panther. <laughs> Who's the star of Black Panther, though, really? Oh, it's uh, Winston Duke. The handsome Duke. Oh, Winston, Winston Duke. Duke. Get Mbaku, out of here. Baku is the <laughs> no, star. No, no, it's, it's Michael, Michael B. Jordan. Jordan. It is. I, but I love, so I love, I love Winston Duke, like, just in everything. He's really good, though. Uh, I would love him to be in every movie made for the rest of time. Uh, Winston Duke, a guy who does a thing. He was so funny in us, and he was really oh, good. dude. <laughs> Playing the black Eric. He was Crawl pretty awesome. Daddy. Yeah, he really was he the really black did. Eric in us. <laughs> 100%. That's, uh, it's not lost on me. Every time you say you love him, I'm like, oh, thanks. If I had street cred. Blair. Uh, Wonder, <laughs> Wonder Woman is on this list. Right. Uh, this is a movie that was... It's two-thirds of a great movie. It took too long to get to the theater... They finally found a perfect casting. They they give it a perfect setting. They set it in World War Two or World War One rather. Uh, I'm just blown away. The movie was pretty much everything I wanted it to be, despite maybe being too long. I felt like the third act was really weak, and but the first two acts the were really strong. The final villain really sucked. Yeah, which like was unfortunate. It sucked the wind out of the sails of what was like. I feel like the first two thirds of that movie yes. were very strong. The, it just it didn't fall apart, but it was a little disappointing. I'm going to go to bat for the movie I always go to bat for, Man O Steel. Okay. I enjoy Man O Steel. The end. Deal with it. And then you may boot me for saying this, 
because it's not a superhero movie. I'm putting Joker on this list. Okay. Oh, no, I think it totally fits in this category. It does. It does. I don't I, know what other category it fits in, so the, I will take that. Yeah, it's uh, it lives up to the hype. However, I'm going to give you a very popular, uh, a very unpopular opinion. If this movie was called Guy Who Has Mental Issues and it was not connected to the Batman universe, it would still be a very good movie. That made $5 million. That no one saw. <laughs> exactly. In all fairness, so, that's a terrible title. Uh, well, I'm not a Hollywood bigwig. We'll call it uh, Incontinence. How's that? <laughs> all right. It's a worse title. Um, <laughs> but those are five. I didn't go further because I didn't want to extol any of, the, any of the Avengers movies. The Salmonella. Talk about why Infinity War was kind of a dump at times. Okay. Mostly a dump at so times. I'm going to go. Here's my list of superhero movies. Number one, John Wick. He is a superhero. How dare you? I'm just kidding. I can't do that. Uh, but but seriously. Also, if, he already made a different list. Yeah, I, which, I by the way, Spider-Man fine. into the Spider-Verse John, would be number one for all of us. John Wick 3. Shut up. <laughs> it's got okay. Berry in it. Spider, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse is probably my favorite one, but like Kevin said, I, we're just going yeah. to disqualify it for being on our on our animated list. Okay. It's already tough. My favorite superhero movies. If we were really smart, we'd have saved it for this list, and then we could have gotten Wind Rises and your name on there. Thor, and Tintin. Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> Is probably my favorite Marvel I knew movie. That would be in it. It's, very, it's very funny. Um, it is a classic buddy comedy wrapped up in a relationship between Hulk and Thor. Yes. That is a funny thing to do. The part um, when I, I greatly uh, appreciate it. The part when he's guessing the password for uh, the ship. <laughs> yeah. Uh, point break. <laughs> Strongest adventure. Uh, okay. I like the first Guardians of the Galaxy a lot. I like it better than the second one. No, you didn't love the second one. I, the second one is 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 just a little it's weaker right. for me. The first one is it, it did something really cool, which is it it, it made it, it they took a really great soundtrack and kind of built a movie around it. Fun idea. It's cheeky. It's fun. It's a good movie. Ant Man, just Mike. Whatever Michael Pena is doing in those movies <laughs> is awesome. Every and scene with him is bullets. I, uh, it's just he's really funny. I like Ant Man uh, quite a bit. She said yes. <laughs> uh, I, I'm gonna. I, I'm with you on Black Panther. I'm with you on Wonder Woman. Those are both solid uh, for me. Uh, let's talk about Deadpool. I was wondering if you'd bring this up. Um, those Deadpool movies. I have that movies, copy of my copy. I like of, Deadpool one. Copy. I actually like Deadpool two a little bit better. Um, but I like one a little my, better. I felt like two hung out in the same awkward joke too long. Here's my thing with one and two. Either way, they are movies that every time I rewatch them, I like them less, which makes me not want to include them on a list like this. Okay. Yes. Uh, every single time I saw I rewatched one of these movies, I was like, I don't like this as much as I did the last time, which is not a good place to be in. Um, Logan. I like Logan. It's awesome. It is a very adult uh, take on the, on the Wolverine kind of ending. And I thought that that was a really cool way to end that series. A young Eric Ronnebeck Schwamm who tried to collect every appearance of Wolverine ever and bought Wolverine toothpaste if they would have sold it, still has not seen Logan. Really? Yeah, I know. I'm, oh, I'm you terrible. totally dig it, dude. It's on HBO. I'm, everyone loves it, and I need HBO. Maybe it's not on HBO anymore. It, it was might have, really it, it might have already left HBO. I'm glad I done, That's done fine. It. I'll catch it on done FX the, in two years. The full cycle. Uh, it'll be a four-hour movie with 100 commercials and no cussing. Okay, I got two more. Okay, I don't know. I went probably too deep on wow. this. Yeah, you went real deep. Uh, okay, Aquaman? Wow! If you hate Aquaman, you hate fun. This is the man. This is the this movie is the epitome. You already nominated Thor Ragnarok. If I wanted to, if I wanted to distill the dumb superhero fun movie into one movie and like say like I have fun watching this. This is a fun movie. 
I don't know. This is if this is your favorite movie, I might be like, dude, your favorite movie is Aquaman. But like, if you're like, I have fun watching Aquaman, you should watch Aquaman. That is the review of Aquaman that I have a hundred percent respect for. It's not high cinema. It's just a good, solid, fun movie. You go to the theater, you watch it, you get to see Aquaman flying around in the water. And it's Without sweet. Jason Momoa, it may be high cinema. That's my review of Aquaman. <laughs> the, the, the artistic no. direction, the designs in I that movie. strongly disagree. The costumes are insane. And then a guy who just goes, oh, okay. It's, it's comical. Dude, okay. Braven makes everything better. I have a question. Alita Battle Angel. Is that a superhero movie? Sure, but it yeah. wouldn't even sniff the list for me. J- j- yeah, it that's is. What I it is because I, just wanted to know, I wanted to know if it counted because of manga. List. Yeah, X Men: Days of Future Past is the other one I would pick. Okay. Uh, over First Class, those movies are both really close together for me. Uh, Brian Singer sucks, so uh, so the other one sucked. So that you know, this no that Brian Singer did this one. He did Days of Future Past. Yeah, the the he other Matthew Vaughn did the yeah. first one. Yeah, I know uh, Vaughn did first. Class. I didn't think that uh, Days of Future Past was Singer. It's Singer. Brian Singer sucks, so like all the things that I don't like about this movie are, are definitely Brian Singer things, but this movie is pretty good. I mean, it's just like, you know, if you if you uh, want to, and it has one of the coolest scenes in any superhero movie, the Quicksilver uh, That was a really fun scene. scene. I mean, it's just like, it's a really, yeah. really great scene. Um, it has multiple of those really quality honest, fun scenes. man, I just love Fassbender's Magneto. Like, it's so good. It's just so good, and that 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 really that really changes it for me. You know, like that that raises things up a level. Anytime Fastbender is on screen, I'm I'm in. You know, yeah. like I'm I'm into what he's doing. And Marvel's going to reboot those movies, and it's a damn shame that they're not going to keep Fastbender because I don't see why you would. You want to kind of separate yourself from that franchise, mm-hmm. but that's a just young enough Magneto that would kick a lot of ass. Yeah, Fastbender and McAvoy as Magneto and Professor X just worked. I like to say that they took nine movies to make a decent four-movie series with uh, the first X-Men and then First Class, uh, Days of Future Past, and Logan. So within those nine or 12 movies or however many movies, they definitely got four that were worth watching. Boy, X-Men Apocalypse really sucks. I mean, and, and Dark Dark And, had Oscar and Dark Phoenix and I watched uh, Dark Last Stand Bites. I, I watched Terrible. Dark Phoenix for this podcast. I was like, maybe this movie Ooh. is not as bad as people say. It is. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my review of it. Okay, Kevin, I know you watched First Class and uh, and Days of Future Past this week. Which one did you like better? Uh, I still like Days of Future Past better. Um, and I did not watch First Class this week. Oh, so you didn't my, into it? my only watch of First Class remains a on TV well doing something watch so of my, First Class. My favorite thing about First I need Class to rewatch that is Banshee. You know, Bacon. Oh, Kevin Bacon? It's cool that Kevin Bacon is the villain. Yeah, Yeah, I didn't. It's kind of cool. But Fassbender. Obviously, everything Fassbender does. Even in X-Men Apocalypse, a movie that I think has very little merit, Fassbender's awesome in that movie because he's Fassbender. Fassbender, dude. I'm all about Fassbender. That they ruined Oster Isaac. Give me more Fassbender. So if I'm doing five, if I'm doing a straight five, the four that immediately were there for me are Guardians of the Galaxy for all the reasons mentioned already. I think that it might be pound for pound the funniest superhero movie for me. Um, fighting with Thor Ragnarok uh, for that spot. Like, just the comedic timing, the gags, the soundtrack. Um, that was a movie that was made very lovingly, and I appreciated that. Um, Logan, because it told a story that none of the other superhero movies told. It was a grim fall of the hero and 
it was everything I expected the movie to be, and then it still subverted my expectations a little bit. Um, Ant-Man, because it's a heist movie, and heist movies are the best. And it's just a fun watch, man. It is, and like the gag where it'll be they'll be fighting in miniature mode, and there'll be this really well shot action scene. Uh, underrated is the fact that they didn't do shaky cam for all their fight scenes in the Ant Man movies, which makes the fight scenes better. But then do that thing where they zoom out and like a toy falls off the shelf when it should be like you know in a regular superhero movie, like a building would get knocked over, and that gag never gets tired for me. It is like hilarious every single time for me um and then uh the dark knight rises nice that's the fourth that i have to put on here because it also is a movie it's a superhero movie that does something different so you didn't have any that we didn't have you are so those are the four that i would put without a doubt and my fifth spot i had a big internal debate okay um the movies i was entertaining were black panther and Thor Ragnarok, and Avengers Endgame. And Avengers Endgame gets entertainment for me because it is, if 2010, if the 2010s is the decade of the superhero movie, Avengers Endgame, a movie I am not as high on as many others, it is the superhero-iest superhero movie. It The thing about Endgame, okay, is they managed to successfully get all, to pull everything together from this, like, gigantic undertaking and it's very impressive from like a technical standpoint but the movie is just it's not it panders way too much it's fine agreed it's fine and it's it's a it's a three-star movie for me and and it's a three and a half for me because i really respect what they did there but like it's 181 minutes i'm a little less impressed than maybe i i would be if that if they were 140 if if they would have pulled it into a tight two and even a two and a half hour package but three three at three hours, man. Make a mini series. You know what I mean? Like you, you're you're really expanding. Like what I feel like a mo- a trip to the movie should be. No one wants to sit. Okay, maybe I'm gonna sure I'm gonna get some tweets that are like, I want to sit in a theater for three hours. I don't want to sit in a theater. Oh, for there's three a hours. bunch of people like I saw it six times, and I'm like, congrats. Man, your bladder must be really strong. Uh, uh, or so, you don't drink. They don't, <laughs> drink, don't drink before drink. they go. To so the for theater. me, Thor Ragnarok would take my fifth spot because yeah. that's a movie that I every time it's on, I want to watch it. Movies we didn't mention that I think like bear mentioning Big Hero Six. That's, that's a very enjoyable movie. and Incredibles too. Those yeah. are both superhero movies. <sighs> yeah, and they're both they're both really enjoyable. Incredibles two is fine. I like Incredibles two. What you just think it's fine? Yeah, yeah. Kevin's down on that movie. Uh, I'm I'm not super high. I, would, I like it better than a, Kevin likes it's at it. At least it's good as Endgame. I didn't watch it until it left theaters because uh, I have a kid and I watched it with my son and I thought it was really entertaining. Like I thought it was entertaining. I like the like, Bob Odenkirk character. I think that that's a pretty pretty uh, fun. And it's good use of Bob Odenkirk. I think yeah. part of the problem for me is that the fall from the first one to the second one felt big. I mean, because I don't we drop think from, we drop can, from like a perfect five to like a. a you four. can't hit that. You're uh, not going to hit that. It's like good. a three or a three and a half for me. It's a three and a half. I, I have your. Like, I, I, have I have it the same as Rag as a uh, as Endgame. I think I okay. rated them both identical. I got to give props. Venom, I gave it a one and a half, but it is the most fun one and a half of all time. All right, let's let's make our final list. Okay. So um, I think we can agree on Ant Man, uh, right? We're all in for Ant Man. Are you in for Ant Man, Eric? I think we're all in for the ones that we're for sure all in for is uh, Dark, Dark Knight, Knight Rises. Rises. That's number one, I think, yeah. for us. Uh, I think I, I mean I, it's not my number one, but I respect that choice. Uh, um, Guardians of the Galaxy. I think we Guardians, can agree on. Guardians one. Absolutely. Guardians one's a good one. All right. Uh, Black Panther. Or no, I would. This rep- did win this I podcast would, best Marvel movie. 
it was an eliminator, <laughs> so which is different than <laughs> this us did telling win what our the best, podcast best Marvel movie, uh, best Marvel movie. Plus, okay, let's table. You voted for that. You didn't eliminate it without having watched it. Now you've actually seen it, right? Yeah, yeah, it is good. I really like what That's Michael B. Jordan's you, doing this movie. Okay, who else you? I think maybe because you guys like it so much, let's put Thor three up there. I'm not on board with it, but what, what don't you like about Thor three? Just too goofy because it's you, too goofy. You want it to be serious, and right? on another watching, uh, man, Tessa Thompson, her stock plummeting. Well, what about really? the rock guy? Yeah, a Korg or whatever. That guy's hilarious. That, that's you, Taika Waititi. Taika Waititi yeah. is, yeah. is in so much more things that he's so much better in. Hey, new Doug. Yeah. Ah, yeah. uh, uh, new Doug. I would want to put Ant-Man on there if I was going to be nominated. You would want to? Be, I think Ant-Man should be okay. on there. If you okay. want to put Ant-Man up there, go for it. So well, I, think right I do now, enjoy that movie. I think we can agree on Dark Knight Rises, Guardian of the Galaxy, and Ant-Man. I think we're good there. Thor, Ragnarok. Uh, do and we then, agree on that? One more. and Because I would want to put Logan up there. Let's put Logan up there. Logan and then Thor. I think those are good. And it's a good, nice mix of like serious and fun. Okay. And it kind of shows like all the different sides of their own. It's, it's. Okay, so we have the Dark missing, Knight Rises, the, Guardians the of the Galaxy, is, Ant-Man, Thor, Ragnarok, and Logan. The biggest movies are Black Panther and Wonder Woman. Like those are the movies I think you could reasonably slot in ahead of like Thor. Um, but I'm be honest, if I. And at, other people don't love Ant-Man as much as Looking at my letterboxed, the highest rated movie I have that's a superhero movie is Spider-Man and Spider-Verse. The second highest is Thor Ragnarok. So I mean, it is my my number one. I think I give it a four as well, which puts it on the same tier as all of. You these. gave it a three and a half. A three and a half. Okay. Yeah. And Dark Knight Rises, I also have a three and a half. Oh wait, you rewatched it and gave it a four. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you you gave it a three and a half and a four. Um. So yeah, which is which happens sometimes. Sometimes you rewatch these movies and they don't age well. I rewatched The Ragnarok and it got funnier. Like, well, I was the laughing thing was, so I wasn't sure if the uh, comedy was gonna hit as hard the second time. It is as funny every time I watch it. It it's, never is less funny. What's funnier to you guys, Thor Ragnarok or Deadpool? Thor Ragnarok, that's hands down. Uh, toss up. I enjoy Deadpool more, just because if that's as funny though. I'm not a Deadpool fan, but that movie really impressed me. Um, here's my my Deadpool thing is that when you, when you rewatch it, the writing is not as uh, as good as you. You think. I think the writing in the second one was better, but like Kevin said, it's just, uh, it felt like they were just beating a dead horse a little too much. There were scenes I liked a lot better. There were uh, me- mechanisms of the movie that I liked better. But the, but... Se- the second movie is really patting itself on the back. Yes. Yep. <laughs> it's like, hey, we got this made. Hey, 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 funny, right? So, yeah, I see what you see. I mean, it's very self indulgent. Yep. Which, hey, I mean, good for them. Yeah, I mean the movies are solid. I'm, I'm gonna if they make a Deadpool three, I'm seeing it. Or right, Deadpool I was about to say I don't regret the money I spent on the ticket, but like, I also I, I would feel very bad. I'll if it see made my top anything Zazie Beetz is in. I'm, I'm she's on the level with like Adam Driver with me, where like or um, hmm. Lakeith Stanfield. There's like certain actors or actresses where I'm like, if they're in the movie, I'm automatically Have you seen interested. Yet? Uh, Chris Evans is like that yeah. too. I anything Chris Evans is doing now. Dude, can't wait for Knives Out this weekend. He's out of the Marvel ecosystem. He's 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 going to be doing some cool stuff. Yeah, dickhead Chris it. Evans is going to be so good this weekend. Yeah, he's he's going to be awesome. All right, anything else you want to mention before we get out of here, Eric? You want to talk about Suicide we, Squad? We didn't put Dread in the list. Uh, we could have, but he's at the top of another list. Yeah, so. he was in the he was in the uh, action. He was in the nice. action category. He Man, made that the sucks. We could have made this really cool superhero list with Spider Man and Dread. That's so yeah. we know it. What about, that up. what about Haywire? Is uh, is Mallory Kane, Gina Carano? Is that a superhero? <laughs> wow. Because that would be number one on my it's list. Based here. on a comic book, right? I think it is actually. How about Sucker Punch. Yeah, that's I like that Haywire. That is... movie is good, but that, Gina Carano is the worst part of the movie. Do yes. you know why I like Haywire so much? Because Soderbergh. Uh, Soderbergh, but also 
Fassbender. Chat. <laughs> and Channing Tatum, all you guys are in that, that was movie. A, that was a callback. Yeah, that was a callback. Was. I, all right. good. I get it. That was good. All right, so for Eric Ronovec, for Kevin Garber, we will see you next week. Go Hawks. Good times, right?